Welcome to Photo Mission Focus Discussing Photography. Hi, I'm Steve Finkel. On this episode of Focus, I'm flying solo. On this episode of Focus, I want to talk about keeping safe and I suppose just some things that maybe you've thought about doing but you haven't actually done that. So we might just dive into a range of different things and we'll look at some ideas around workshops and what you may be able to get out of workshops but also keeping gear safe and keeping yourself safe. So let's start with the gear first. And a lot of us you know, have spent quite a lot of money on photography equipment. So it's not cheap. So you you know, you plowed a lot of money into it. So sometimes you just really have to make sure you're protected. Now, some people take out insurance, a dedicated insurance policy, which is well worth doing. Or some people just rely on their home insurance, like their contents insurance, because it allows them to that but you really need to I suppose ask some questions like if you've got a lot of expensive gear and something was to happen was to get stolen or something happened where you know you put it down somewhere and it got flooded with water or you know you're in a building and you know there was a fire and you had to evacuate and you couldn't have time to go back and get your get your equipment what would happen and how would you deal with it how would you kind of start that process so so I thought in this episode we'd talk about some practical stuff that you can do. And one of the first things is um, just record all the serial numbers. Like all the equipment you buy will always have a serial number. Lenses have serial numbers. Bodies have serial numbers. A lot of the equipment has a serial number, which identifies that piece of equipment. So if it was stolen, it makes it easier then for, if it's recovered, then to be able to you know, work out who it belongs to because the, you know, the serial number has been recorded somewhere. So you can start doing this and it's good practice to get into when you start buying gear is one of the things is quite often the store will quite often email you a, a receipt for the equipment or you might get a printed receipt on the day you're picking up or it might come, if it's an online order, it may come with a printed receipt inside the box. So, But the thing is, it's well worthwhile getting making a couple of copies of the purchase receipts for anything you buy. So all the equipment you buy you should really just have some place where you can go put all those receipts together so you've got them all in one place and they have them in multiple places. And the other thing too, look, these days having stuff on the cloud is quite easy because a number of, you know, you can get a free Google Drive, you can get um, different offerings from different people, Dropbox and a few other ones offer you um, some storage for free. So that's a good place to start because we're not storing like a lot of information it's a well worthwhile place to upload things like copies of all your receipts, copies of all your serial numbers, you know, when you bought the equipment, where you bought it from, have some details, see so all the details, because quite often when you do have to make an insurance claim, you have to actually provide them with quite a lot of information. And sometimes, you know, it's easy to forget, oh, when did I buy that? Or, you know, that type of thing. But if you've got all that information recorded somewhere, that can make that process much, much easier. And like I said, these days with online storage and that type of thing, it's quite easy to be able to have it in a secure location, like in a cloud service as well. As having printed copies as well, I think you should have multiple copies as well as, you know, hard copies, um, electronic copies stay saved on your phone or saved on your tablet or laptop or computer. And like I said, also copies saved up on the cloud. So you've got them... Um, where you can access them and the, I suppose the advantage of the cloud is that if you're traveling in your way something happens you can have access to that cloud so you can immediately get access to things like those serial numbers and that information to give authorities wherever you are so 
But there's a few things, like I said, that's one of the first things I'd suggest is as soon as you buy a piece of equipment, make it your kind of ritual that you make copies, you record the serial number, you put it down somewhere so you know exactly all the details about that particular piece of equipment. The other thing which sometimes people don't do, and it's something that I always do with equipment, is when I purchase a piece of equipment, you know, I, un- I unbox it carefully, I take out all the packaging, I unbox it, then I return all the packaging back to the box that it came in, and then I store that box. I keep it for the, you know, for the life of the piece of equipment or or whatever. So quite often, if I do, and it's not it's not often that I do sell some equipment, but I have sold some bits and pieces. And what I've been able to do is obviously put that equipment back in the original box and real packaging, and I'll keep that, like I said, keep the packaging in a in a kind of a dry dust-free environment so it keeps nice and clean it doesn't get wet or moldy or anything like that and then again it tells um, I suppose the purchase if you are going to sell something it tells the purchase that you took a bit of care in keeping all the packaging and boxing so they gives them a bit of faith that you've really cared for that item so that's just one little tip that I kind of have always done I've always kept it so and, and obviously for equipment that I don't move on and I still just keep the boxes. I just don't throw them out. I just store them and um, just keep them. Then one day I may move those pieces of equipment on. At least I can pack them up and they'll be in kind of the original packaging, which for some people that's a really, I suppose, a real buzz because, you know, I've bought collectible cameras, really old cameras that have actually come with the original packaging, which has been a real buzz to actually be able to have the original box that the camera came in. Again, it just adds more value to I think just adds more value to the to the piece anyway. So yeah, so that first kind of suggestion and tip is to make sure that you record the serial numbers, record all the details and do that. The other thing is to really look at your insurance policy that you're using to insure your equipment. So if it's done on your home policy, quite often there's limitations on items, personal items, sometimes there's a cap on how much each personal item can be. And sometimes there's a cap on the maximum claim you can have on one particular claim. So you might find that you, if you did lose all your camera gear in a in a, an accident, and just say for argument's sake you were unfortunate enough to be driving somewhere, get caught out, and the car skids off into a flooded creek, and you have to abandon the car, you know, and the, and the car fills up with water, and you you get out, and the camera gear's in there. Quite often that claim could be you know quite high because you might have a lot of your equipment with you at the time. So again, it's interesting. A lot of people actually with insurance are actually underinsured. They don't have enough insurance to cover them. So when there is a total loss, they kind of find the double blow of not being able to get all the gear replaced because it wasn't actually you know, insured for the correct value. So it's well worth checking out like what insurance you're using and have a look at some of the insurance policy. And there are companies who do specifically do camera gear so you can actually source someone you know that actually understands photographers and camera and that type of stuff and have policies around that. So that's important to do do that exercise and to understand that. The other thing too about the other thing is just be sensible about where your equipment is. I try to keep my equipment with me at all times wherever I am. You know I don't leave it in the car. I will take it with me, and I just it's just too valuable to have it kind of sitting in a car somewhere where someone might be able to just smash a window and grab it and, and take off with it. So I tend to take with me, even though someone's a bit of a pain sometimes, you're going out for dinner but you've been doing some shooting, that camera bag with me and 
the one I normally use is more like a backpack type one. So what um, what I normally do is you know throw it under the table where I'm sitting, and I usually put one of my legs through the strap. So so a I don't forget, you know, walk off and leave it there. But b if someone was to try and grab it and run, it's actually anchored to your legs, so it's not going to go too far. So that's something I've always done when I've travelled, and I've been in a few situations when I've been travelling where I've definitely seen people kind of really looking the bag you know and looking at around the area to the point where i know one place i was in and i was sitting there and i stopped and i was eating and i actually had the camera bag on the ground i had my leg for it and this guy across kept looking and then he was looking around and he was looking what other people were doing and i just got a really unfit easy feeling about what was going to happen so i just i just grabbed it picked it up put it on my back and i just walked off with the food i had and i went to another place where there was actually a few more people uh, again it just i think you got to be you got to be always aware of your surroundings especially when you're traveling because if it's somewhere i mean yeah quite often when you're in your own home city you know some areas of the no go zones you know the areas where potentially there could be trouble but when sometimes when you're traveling sometimes you can actually wander into a no go zone without really even realizing it so again just be mindful of your surroundings and like i said just be diligent with your equipment and where it is because there's nothing worse like i said than you know having stuff stolen and even though you've got you might have the insurance all sorted out so it's going to get replaced but that can take time but the other thing too is like images that you've caught because most people you know if i'm out in a day shoot i'm not taking typically i'm not taking the cards out sometimes i'll you know take the cards out and i'll put them in my pocket but typically they're in my camera bag unless it's and again depends on the shoot but, you know, if that camera bag was to be stolen, potentially then any shots that I've taken that day are also stolen as well. The other thing too, a couple of things to do within your camera. Like I said, inside your camera, you can actually set it up to put information about you as a photographer. So most cameras give you the ability to be able to go in and enter some details about yourself. And that information is also transferred onto each file when you take a photo as well, So, that, which is another kind of way of tracking stuff down. So again, just look at your camera manuals, just look at what options are available to you. I'm hoping one day in the future, and, I, and it's one of those things that I just, I really find it, in 2024, I just find it incredible that cameras don't have a, and, and they're expensive piece of equipment, cameras don't have a, a digital locking system. Like every mobile phone you buy has a locking system, whether it be, you know, a pin, pin number to unlock the phone or your, your face or a fingerprint reader or some other type of um, biometric type interface that allows you to be the person who can actually open the phone up to use it. So if someone did steal your phone, the phone is pretty much useless because you can't they can't actually access and get into the phone because it's um it's locked. So and again, but every camera is on the market. I don't think there's a camera out there that actually has a digital lock on it where basically you have to enter a code on the back of the camera before you can you know shoot it so what would be great for manufacturers to do is like i said is to have a simple system of you know you can choose to lock the camera so you'll go like you might be traveling so you you put the camera in lock mode and then it requires a pin number to unlock it so the camera functions become available again in this day and age of digital electronics it's not a hard one to do so hopefully manufacturers will get serious and actually improve the security of the um of the cameras and the equipment to just make them a bit more i mean less i mean that's the thing too like if someone does steal a camera 
they know that they can take that camera and they can they can sell that anywhere because it, it it's totally unlocked. It's no restrictions on it. They can just throw away your SD card that's in it, put a new SD card in it, and um, they can even go into the camera and even like you might have put all your details in the camera as far as that. If they're if they're smart enough, they can just go through and default the camera back to factory. So it wipes out everything you've ever set in the camera back to factory. So the camera's kind of wiped clean. So it's really ready to go so basically you know someone can't really come along and identify it so again these are just things to kind of keep in mind and like i said it's better to be prepared and better to be thinking about these things before something happens because like i said quite often people are scrambling after something happens to find information and that and that slows the process down so again by just being a little bit a little bit prepared so that that's the safety on the gear side of it but also and i touched on a little bit talking about gear about different areas no go zones the other thing is always important i think now when you're going out and you're photographing um, particularly by yourself i think it's really important if you're going out and photographing by yourself and especially if you're trekking off into you know you're trekking off around a lake or you're doing something like that is to let somebody know that you're doing it like a, a relative a friend a partner or whatever to say you know i'm going down to the local lake and i'm going to trek around to the this particular area because I want to catch the sunset or I'm going to go in early in the morning and I'm going to try and get down there and get in position to get the sunrise. Things can happen. Like, I mean, people, you know, can get bitten by a snake or they can trip, you know, fall down a hole and injure themselves and be stuck there. And sometimes in these areas, you don't necessarily always have mobile coverage. And so, again, it's just if, at least if someone knows where you are, and you can say how long, you you know, it's always a good idea to say, I'm going down there for about two hours, I'll be back in two hours. Obviously, if you're not back in two hours, then someone can actually raise the alarm and hopefully if you're lying there injured, um, someone can actually come along and give you some assistance. So again, these are just things that quite often we take for granted. We just go off and do things as lone wolf photographers. We just tend to just wander off and all immersed in the photography side of it, excited about what, you know, what we might capture with uh with our cameras but again just bearing in mind that you know personal safety is something you really do have to um, think about and the other thing about personal safety is you know there's a lot of temptation for people to go on to say building sites or going on to abandoned um, building sites where there's an abandoned building that's all you know boarded up and it's all fenced up quite often there's a lot of hazards in those places and as, as cool as you might think it might be a good to go through and try and get some photographs potentially there's dangers where you know something could happen there's, there's rotten floors or there's you know there's um infestation of rodents or you know sometimes one place where people go popularly that there's a lot of snakes it's like being taken over by venomous snakes so again sometimes it's just not worth going into these places by yourself because again something happened and people do this too they go down drains under cities and again it's really you're really risking a little bit because obviously something could happen that you really need if you're going to do these things you really need to make sure that you let somebody else know and you have someone else kind of looking after you and um and even like if you set it up so you say you know when i'm when i get back out and get cell service or whatever i'll, I'll send you a text message you know that i'm back out i'm heading to the car again simple simple things to do but just having a process in place or just even thinking about it is something worthwhile just like i said for your peace of mind 
And I always say to people, there's no photograph worth putting yourself in danger for. There's just not a photograph out there that you're going to climb up in a, on a half-constructed building to try and get a high vantage point. There's so many hazards on, you know, on those types of buildings. And I know people do it, but again, it is very risky. And I'd, you know, say, like I said, no photograph is really worth that. Find another way to take that photograph where you can do it safely. You know, it might be an adjoining building with a balcony that's accessible or something like that, where you can go there and visit and get access to without putting yourself in danger. So, yeah, on this episode, talking about, I suppose, personal safety, just keeping yourself safe and watching out for, and also look look out for other photographers. If you've got friends who are photographers and they regularly go off and do this, volunteer to be either their buddy or volunteer to say, hey, let me know next time you go down there and let, you know, let me know when you're going and what time you'll be back and I'll, I'll keep an ear out. And if, you, you know, if you're not back in a particular time, then you know, I can at least raise an alarm type of thing. So again, you know, be buddies for each other and look after each other. So that's, that's one of the things that, like I said, we can, we can all do as photographers, help each other out. So the other thing I want to talk about is there's lots and lots of workshops and photo walks and a whole range of different things out there that happen and people go on these things and again just be mindful that sometimes some of these meetups and some of these things aren't you know they're not well organized there's some really well organized ones out there so you really got to seek out and look for the ones that are actually really professionally organized and one of the things you want to ask the organizers is okay so if I'm out there um and I have, yeah, I've, I have an accident, something happens to me, what's in place to help me? Do you have insurance? Do you have a kind of risk management policy? What is it you've got? And someone who's doing it kind of properly will be able to kind of answer that by saying, yeah, we have the, we have public liability insurance to protect you. We also have a risk management plan. So we've tried to look at the places that we're going to take you, that we're not going to take you to areas where potentially there's extra risk or extra areas where you may fall it's so easy last week i witnessed a situation where we were actually going to a concert in brisbane and there was 10 of us actually going to this concert the plan was for us to meet up and have some dinner before the concert and then make our way to the stadium where the concert was playing and unfortunately one of them the members that were in that group on their way to getting to dinner they've come down a pathway which is pretty uneven and it was also some drizzling rain so the ground was a bit wet wet as well and um, this person took a took a slide and a fall and landed um, hard on on their arms and we were in immediately in, in a lot of pain but you know someone helped them up and they persevered to get to the to the restaurant but they, they were clearly in a lot of actual pain uh, at the restaurant you know they've got some ice and ice down the elbow and all that because it was the swelling on it was pretty severe, and but it was soon clear that you know after a short time that there was something more amiss and it wasn't just badly sprained. So that person had to actually then seek medical attention and actually end up going to hospital, and uh, missed they actually missed going to the concert, which is something they had been waiting. You know, they had the tickets for ten months and really shattering blow for them. But again, accidents happen and. So that's why sometimes it's just got to be, we've just got to be really mindful of our surroundings and just kind of, I suppose, yeah, just watch where we are because that person ended up breaking a major bone in their arm. 
So they're going to be kind of in a cast for, for the next six weeks while that while that heals. But again, it was kind of a, a sad but an expensive lesson for them because obviously they missed the concert but um, really ruined their weekend. So, But again, accidents can happen and that's the thing I'm thinking about that sometimes we can just get a little bit too, I suppose, comfortable in what's going on and not really fully checking out our surroundings. So again, that's just a, a, just a good reminder. So back to like workshops and photo walks and all those type of things. So it's really important to ask the organisers, you know, what happens if I have a flip and fall and I can't work for, you know, a period of time because I've injured myself. Um, I was only in that area because I was on this photo walk with you or I was only in that area because we were doing a particular type of shoot. Again, those things are worth, I mean, it's no good finding out after the fact. It's always better to ask up front. And like I said, the organisers who have really looked at that and got everyone's safety in mind will have systems and policies and insurances in place to cover people in that situation. So again, it's kind of like yeah, important. I think not all the photo walks out there are always best. Sometimes, you know, if, if, it, if it looks pretty cheap, then maybe it's, you know, they're lacking a few things. And not saying that, I mean, they could have someone who's doing a quite reasonably priced one but has all those protections in there. That's fantastic. But again, it's your, you know, it's buyer beware. Do your due diligence. Ask the questions and find out before you sign up. The other thing is about workshops. There's lots and lots of workshops out there, people advertising workshops, come along and learn some new skills. And I've seen some of the workshops of recent times which really aren't really workshops. They're just a get-together really because... There's no actual learning, like there's not someone there instructing you, giving you detailed information about settings and, you know, using lighting or doing other types of things. So if you're going to something like that and you're wanting to learn, again, ask lots of questions about what does the workshop entail? What support do I get? Is there a handout that I can get after the workshop's finished, which actually touches on all the points that were brought up through the workshop so I can go back and reinforce those ideas and things that you learn because quite often what happens is when you are in a new situation and there's a lot of information being thrown at you quite often some of it goes over the top and you just kind of just gloss it over for the moment because you, mo- you move on to something else so it's important like I said workshops that are really well structured will actually have like I said some type of handout for you to take away and be able to kind of refresh and kind of you know re revisit those points and again the other thing too with some of these workshops too is it's also worthwhile talking about when you're taking pictures of people like so you might end up taking some really cracking pictures of 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 somebody a model or, or someone who's modeling and that picture becomes like it's a valuable you know commercially viable picture that you could potentially sell or, or whatever but that becomes really difficult about permissions if you don't have the, the the correct permissions and it's really important when you're photographing people in that situation if you know potentially if you like I said you create an image that has a commercial value to it that you could sell that you really need to have a you know have a model release from that person allowing you to then use that image how you feel fit and on sell it if you need be. The other thing to be mindful of as well in some situations 
you also where where it's being shot, you actually also need a property release. So if it's been shot, say in a nightclub or another venue which is quite unique and very distinguishable once someone sees the images where that is, that sometimes, you know, people open these venues up to allow these type of things to happen but don't particularly want people to profit from them, like by selling the images. Um, some do, but again, you can actually get from the property owner or the manager of the venue, you know, a property release which actually says, you know, any pictures taken on this particular premises, you're free to do whatever with those images. For most people with things like photo walks and these types of workshops, images, they typically put them on social media and they typically don't have any commercial value. They're just basically because people are showing what they've done and proud about what they've been able to capture. But again, like I said, sometimes you might get a shot where it's something that is really special. And again, it's sometimes hard to go back and seek out all the people that might have been in that shot because there could have been other people in the background. And typically, you know, the, and look, different organisations who will buy photos will look at things differently. But typically, most organisations want to know that any any identifiable person in an image has actually given permission to be in that image. And again, it's a kind of valuable lesson. And I just remember um, quite a few years ago, we had a gym next to our studio and the gym owner wanted some photos for his website. I said to him about, yeah, we can organise and do some photos. And I said to him, well, you just need to make sure everybody, you get something from everyone to say that they're actually going to be comfortable if they're appearing in any of these images because they will be because they're working out and they're using the equipment to the point where they can't come back and he said yeah no it's all good oh, these are all regulars they're fantastic and I've told them I was going to get some professional photos taken and as it turned out there was a um, uh, one of the people that was in appeared in a lot of the images had a bit of a falling out of the gym and then said, no, I don't want my photo, I don't want my image used in any of your publicity or anything like that. So for a large amount of the photos I took for this person, and I've said I put the onus back on them to get permission, which they thought they'd sorted, but they hadn't, just meant they couldn't use a lot of those images. So there was images they could still use, but there was a lot of images they couldn't use because that person was appearing somewhere in the image because, like I said, it was group training things, so there was a lot of things happening. So it's also mindful, like I said, to understand and to ask these questions before you actually shoot. So you know then that after the fact, people can't come back and say, oh, no, I didn't want to be in that. You say, we're shooting these pictures. I want you to sign this model release, da-da-da-da, that you're basically saying you're agreeing to be appearing in this picture. And again, like I said, this same thing happens for a lot of the photo walks is that a lot of those people who may be getting photographed, a lot of the images can't be used commercially. So again, it's something you can ask. If I'm on, a, on this photo walk and I actually do take some photos, can I get the model to sign a release and can I sell them? And people will have, be able, should be able to answer those questions for you. And again, but it's better to ask those questions up front, not wait until you have to deal with it. And I know the situation, we've done a number of workshops where we have, people have done different things using our equipment. And, you know, I remember we did a water drop workshop where we set up a whole lot of water shop, water drop um, apparatuses that were doing different things with water and people were capturing it. 
only for someone on that one of those workshops was got some really cool shots and was approached by a band who wanted to use one of those images on an album cover. Part of the you know what we agreed to was that anything that you created during the workshop was yours. Any releases that we needed to sign with property and that type of stuff, we'll sign them if that if that was necessary. Um, which we did, so that person then could then go off and actually sell that image, which is fantastic. So again, but people who are kind of organised have thought this stuff through. So again, it's worthwhile just asking the question, keeping safe, keeping gear safe, and like I said, but it all starts with planning. It all starts with just knowing, knowing what you're getting yourself into. And I think that's the biggest problem for a lot of people is sometimes they just go in and blind faith on stuff. But I think it's always good to ask questions and find the answers and then if that person isn't offering or not giving the right answers then look for someone else to, to go and do a workshop with or a photo walk with until you find someone who you're really comfortable with at the end of the day like i said it's better to be safe than sorry so i hope this has been helpful i hope it's got you thinking a little bit and i know you probably all want to race out there now and grab all your dockets and find all your camera um, equipment and serial numbers and write them down the other thing too is which i didn't mention on that but it's also well worth taking photos of all that all your camera equipment as well you know you've got an iphone so a, a camera phone that you can then use just take pictures if you can get the serial number in the picture as well that's always useful as well as another record because you, you know you can't have too many records like it's just like the more documentation you've got the better it is at the end of the day if something does go wrong until next time, enjoy your photography and keep safe and we'll talk again real soon. See ya.